It's Monday, June the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Israel's new Prime Minister and the G7's turn against China. First, the world in brief. Israel's longest-serving Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, was deposed after 12 years in office. Yair Lapid, a centrist opposition leader, won a confidence vote in Parliament. But under a power-sharing agreement, the Prime Minister for the next two years will be Naftali Bennett, a right-wing nationalist, leading an improbably diverse coalition that agrees on little other than the importance of ousting Mr Netanyahu. G7 leaders roundly condemned China as they concluded their annual summit. The group of rich democracies slammed it over human rights abuses in Xinjiang, the removal of autonomy from Hong Kong, and other issues. China had anticipated the attack. Earlier, a spokesman for the Chinese embassy said that, quote, the days when global decisions were dictated by a small group of countries are long gone. Some of England's COVID-19 restrictions are to linger for an extra four weeks. In February, the British government picked June 21st for what has since been dubbed, quote, Freedom Day, when all restrictions might be lifted. But now it worries about a surge of the coronavirus's more infectious, quote, Delta variant, first detected in India. Parliament must approve any extension, which will be particularly galling to Conservatives. Voters in Switzerland rejected several environmental policies. One referendum had asked whether taxes on car fuel and flight tickets should be increased, a move designed to help the country meet its emissions targets under the Paris Agreement. And rural voters helped defeat a proposal to ban the use and imports of synthetic pesticides. The government had argued it would have harmed food security. Thousands of people protested in Spain's capital, Madrid, against plans to pardon 12 Catalonian leaders convicted after the region's unsuccessful bid for independence in 2017. Nine politicians were jailed for between 9 and 13 years on sedition charges and three were found guilty but avoided prison. A poll for El Mundo, a Spanish newspaper, found 61% of Spaniards opposed pardoning them. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, said Congress will probe, quote, rogue actions by the Department of Justice during Donald Trump's presidency. His DOJ had subpoenaed the communications records of at least two Democratic members of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell. The DOJ's internal watchdog has already announced its own investigation. Russia's President Vladimir Putin said his country would be willing to extradite cybercriminals to America if the arrangement were reciprocal. Russian hackers have been linked to a number of attacks affecting American supply lines in recent weeks, including those against Colonial Pipeline and JBS. Presidents Putin and Joe Biden are due to meet in Geneva on Wednesday. And fact of the day. Two-thirds of humankind now lives in countries where wind and solar power offer the cheapest new electrical generating capacity. And now, here's today's agenda. A fresh start? NATO meets. When NATO leaders meet for a summit in Brussels today, their first in-person gathering for over 18 months, the mood will be upbeat. Donald Trump, a fervent critic of the alliance, has been replaced by Joe Biden, who speaks warmly of it. The Allies have little time to enjoy the change. In recent months, Russia has massed troops around Ukraine. Belarus has forcibly grounded a European airliner, and Afghanistan has grown more unstable amid the ongoing withdrawal of American and NATO troops. Yet the summit is also seen as an opportunity to quote, future-proof NATO, 
With a new emphasis on climate change, emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence, and the threat posed by China. The most tangible outcome may be a defence technology quote accelerator, allowing producers of cutting-edge military technology to find investors on both sides of the Atlantic. Having endured the Trump years, NATO is eager to ensure it can survive the coming decades. Biden and Erdogan Terms of estrangement America's President Joe Biden will meet his Turkish counterpart Recep Tayyip Erdogan on the margins of the NATO summit in Brussels, an encounter that will set the tone for relations between the two allies for years. Mr Biden will make one last push to convince Mr Erdogan to shelve the S-400 missile defence system Turkey purchased from Russia a few years ago. America initially responded to the sale by imposing sanctions against Turkey. With the Turkish economy struggling, Mr Erdogan might be less belligerent than usual. He cannot afford a fresh crisis with America. The Turkish lira, which is having a terrible year, has already rallied on rumours that a compromise may be in the works. Investors will not be the only ones watching. Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, who used the S-400 sale to drive a wedge between Turkey and NATO, will be keen to see whether his investment has paid off. Between inflation and infection. Monetary policy in the BRICS. The world's uneven economic recovery from the pandemic is tricky for emerging market central banks. Brazil, Russia and China have all felt compelled to tighten monetary policy this year, even though the pandemic remains a threat. Elvira Nabulina, governor of Russia's central bank, thinks higher inflation in Russia and elsewhere will be more persistent than first imagined. But India, the vowel in the BRICS acronym, has made a different choice. Figures released today will probably show that inflation remains above the Reserve Bank of India's 4% target, thanks partly to rising fuel costs. But the central bank this month kept interest rates at historic lows and announced more government bond purchases and special funding for banks lending to quote, contact-intensive businesses, such as hotels and beauty parlours. In these days of trials and travails, it is vital to remain focused on vanquishing the virus, said Shaktakanti Das, the RBI's governor. Between inflation and infections, it is clear which the RBI fears most. Sluggishness on sea. The G7 on climate change. Yesterday, Sir David Attenborough, a beloved nonagenarian naturalist, warned world leaders gathered in Cornwall that their decisions on climate change and environmental degradation would be, quote, the most important in human history. But this year's summit for the G7, a group of rich democracies, has mostly failed to produce dramatic progress. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, announced a £500 million, $705 million fund to protect oceans, recycling a promise from his party's 2019 manifesto. In their final summit communique, G7 leaders vowed to give $100 billion a year to poor countries to help them adapt to climate change and make the transition to renewable energy. But they gave no details as to how they would do this and, given that the pledge was first made in 2009 and has not yet been met, environmentalists were sceptical. Several green groups staged protests at the summit. Leaders also promised to quote accelerate the shift away from coal, but did not set a target. Why success is hard to copy. Women of colour in leadership. Ursula Burns, the former CEO of Xerox, made headlines in 2009 when she became the first black woman to lead a firm listed on the Fortune 500. 
But as she relates in her memoir, which will be published tomorrow, she was vexed by how much attention the media paid to her individual success, rather than to discussing how to make such achievements more common. Miss Burns acknowledges that she worked hard, but also points out that a dearth of opportunity prevents others following in her footsteps. Women occupy 41% of America's managerial roles. But less than a tenth of this year's Fortune 500 companies will have female CEOs, and women of colour account for just 1.2%. In the face of lasting inequities, Miss Burns proposes implementing diversity quotas for C-suite positions and warns that companies don't invest enough in recruiting and training talented staff from a wide range of backgrounds. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Harry Turtledove, who was born on this day in 1949. Fiction has to be plausible. All history has to do is happen. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Music